Yeah, today I, I want to talk a little bit about a time when Jesus prayed for Peter. This has been on my heart for a good while, um, and I just can't get away from it. So uh, there's really two parts to it. I'm going to do one today, and Lord willing, if I do it again and, and uh, speak again in November, I'll try to do the other half. Um, as a way of intro, we really don't know how many times Jesus prayed in the Bible. Uh, some scholars say the Gospels record 25 to 38 times, and they disagree on it. Um, but we don't know how many times he prayed that 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 you know that that it, when it isn't recorded, we do know that he prayed often. He said we're, we learned he prayed in the morning, evening, all night. Sometimes he pray, prayed when he was alone and when he was with others. He prayed uh, publicly, uh, like at the Lord's Supper. Uh, before big decisions, he would pray like his baptism or his selection of the 12 disciples. Uh, he prayed before big challenges like, uh, like his temptation by Satan. He prayed before miracles like raising Lazarus. He prayed while teaching others how to pray at the Lord's Prayer. Uh, he prayed for others like his prayer from the cross. And Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He, he prayed before he broke bread and fed the 5,000. And in the garden, he even prayed for himself, where he said, oh, oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. But today I want to look at, at a time when Jesus prayed specifically for Peter, one of his disciples. And I want to look at that in the light of what can we learn that will help our prayer life and the way that we pray uh, and make us more effective as we pray for others. So let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll dive into Luke 22. Heavenly Father, it's such a privilege to, to have this platform of prayer with these saints from all around the world. Lord, I love seeing them. And I love being with them. And I love the fact that they've been so faithful for so long and love the heart of Stephen and Rick for getting this started and keeping it going. And so we just uplift them and ask you to give them strength and increase their faith as we as this continues to move forward. We pray, as always, Lord, for revival. God, we want to see you move in a big way in this world. We want to see you lifted high and glorified and receive the honor and distinction, Lord, that you deserve. Father, we know that you love us. We can't understand why. We know we don't deserve it. And yet, Father, you, you, you pour your grace out upon us. You give us strength when we're weak. Lord, you carry us through storms and valleys. And, Father, you bless us in ways that we can't even imagine. Help us, Father, to be good stewards with all that you've done for us, all that you've taught us, all that you continue to teach us. And help us, Lord, forgive to, to always be humble and to, to, Lord, to repent when we fail you and to look for you, Lord, as the author and finisher of our faith. We pray for this time together and ask you to bless in Jesus' name. Amen. So in, in Luke 22, verses 22 through 24, uh, things are wrapping up uh, at the at the Lord's Supper, and we're told that Jesus has just told them that one of them is going to deny him, and the disciples begin discussing which one of them is going to be the one to deny Jesus. 
And then they start talking about themselves. I don't know how they piece those two together, but it says there arose also a dispute among them, the disciples, as to which of them was regarded to be the greatest. That's just like us. Our ego gets in the way and we start thinking about ourselves, even though we know one of us is going to deny the Jesus in ways that we can't even imagine or is going to betray him. And so then Jesus takes some time to instruct them on the importance of being servants, just like Jesus was to them. And those are great verses, but I want to move on to when Jesus speaks directly to Simon Peter in Luke 22, 31 to 34. He says the following, and it's one of the more interesting stories that, I, that I've noted for a long time. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you like wheat. I mean, note here that, that Satan goes to God demanding permission to attack and try to destroy Peter, to try to shake the foundation of his faith and to break him completely down, just like he tried to do with Job, to show that Peter's faith was not real and to destroy him before he began his, ministry, his real ministry on his own. But Jesus says to, to Simon, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And Simon said unto him, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. And just like Peter, he's bragging, he's boasting, he doesn't really know what he's saying, but he's gung-ho and he's ready to do it. And, and Jesus looked at him and said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day, before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. We all know what happened. Jesus is arrested. As they're taking him off, G Peter follows afar off. Three different people point out Peter as one of Jesus' followers. And three different times, Peter denies knowing and are following Jesus. And as Jesus is, and as Peter is speaking on that third denial, the cock crew. And in verse 61, it says, And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, uh, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. What a sad, sad place for Peter in a sad time. And I'm, I'm really touched by the Lord turning and looking at Peter but we'll talk about that another time. Today, let's talk about the elements of the prayer that Peter, uh, that Jesus paid, prayed for Peter. To my knowledge, there's only four times in the Bible when Satan directly tempts people. Adam and Eve in the garden, Job, Jesus in the wilderness, and Peter while he's following afar off while Jesus is being arrested and carried away. And in the case of Job and Peter, Satan actually got permission from God to test them. And why God allowed that, why God did it, that's a question for God. But you'll see in both cases, they came out better and stronger, and, and they used it for God's glory. So it's, um, it's just really encouraging to know that while Satan wanted to destroy Jesus, Jesus was interceding for Peter 
just as it says in Hebrews 7.25, where it says, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. So as Peter is going under the trial and testing of his life, head on with Satan, causing all these things to try to trip him up and destroy him, Jesus is praying for him. It's such an encouragement to know that when we go through these trials, and we will all go through trials, and we do all have scars of some type. I don't know anyone who's who's missed that, um, but Jesus is making intercession for us. So most of the time, I, f- I focus on Peter's denials, just like when I talk about Peter walking on water and, and falling, taking his eyes off Jesus. But I also fail to really think that Peter was the only one that got out of the boat, and he was bold enough and courageous enough and had enough faith to do that. So it's easy to be really hard on Peter in situations like this, but we're all human, and we know that we're subject to the same frailties and the same we, – we could fall just as easily, if, if not easier. So let's look at how Jesus prayed for Peter. First, Jesus knew Satan was coming after Peter to test him. He said he wanted to sift him like wheat, which is just shaking him up really hard and separating the dirt and all this stuff from the wheat and just trying to totally destroy him. I found it interesting that Jesus didn't try to stop Satan, which he easily could have. Instead, he prayed for Peter in very specific ways. And I think when Jesus intercedes for us, I think there's times that he just prays that, that our faith would fail not, like he prayed for Peter. He didn't pray that he wouldn't go through the temptation, but he prayed that when he did, that his faith wouldn't fail him. And then something really fascinating, he says, and when thou art converted, not if, but when. It's kind of like when in the 23rd Psalm where it says, yea, though I go through the valley. You know, we don't have to stay in that valley. The Lord leads us through those valleys. And in this case, Jesus is saying to Peter, when you're converted, you're going to be okay. You're coming out of this. You're going to make it. And when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. You know, we all need somebody like Jesus that stands behind us, cheering for us, praying for us, lifting us up, and never giving up on us. I can think of people in my life that in my wildest, craziest days, when I didn't have, I wasn't worth two cents, and they would look at my mom and dad and say, don't worry about him, he's going to be okay. And I heard those words, and I love those people for saying it. But here we have Jesus telling Peter, when you come through this, when you're converted, strengthen your brethren. And look what Peter did. He came up, he preached Pentecost, thousands saved. He takes the gospel of the Gentiles. He writes two books of the Bible, and he's martyred for his faith. He came through it pretty good, I think. And, and we can do that in the trials that we face. The other thing I think is just fascinating about this is Jesus, after he prayed, he told Peter exactly how he had prayed, which is something I think is encouraging to people when you say, I'm praying for you, brother, and here's how I'm praying. He believed God was going to answer it because he said, when you come through it, strengthen the brethren. Use this terrible circumstance and crisis in your life to do something great for God. 
And then he follows up on his prayers. And, and I, I know I'm, I'm sometimes very delinquent in that. But in Mark 16, 7, we find that Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome meet the young man sitting on the right side of the empty tomb, dressed in long white garment, who says, Be not affrighted. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. Behold the place where he lay, laid him. He says, But go your way, tell his disciples, and Peter. If if I had been Peter, I would have felt about as low as anyone could possibly feel. I would feel defeated. And then all of a sudden comes word that Jesus's angel or, or whatever had just sent word to the disciples, but especially make sure Peter knows. Make sure Peter knows. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't reject Peter? Jesus knew that Peter was going to do all these great things ahead. Peter didn't know that, but Jesus did. And Jesus knew that he would spend the rest of his life strengthening the brethren. And I think as we go through trials, as we fail God, as we fall, as we sin, as we see others going through trials, we have to take encouragement from the fact that Jesus is making intercession for us. And as we pray for others, let's remember to be specific Let's be sincere. Let's believe that God's going to answer. And then let's follow up with them and see how God did answer and deliver them. And, and let's rejoice and celebrate with them. So let's apply these principles to our prayers for others. Father, thank you for this example from your word. Thank you, Father, for this time to pray. Thank you, Lord, for the compassion that you show, even in the midst of what you know is going to be the most painful, awful suffering ever known to man. We pray, Lord, that we can be like you and we can see through the trials, through the fires, through the valleys. We can trust in you to get us through them and we can encourage others to come through the same way. Lord, if we can show your kind of love to this world, I believe, Lord, we can see revival. And that's what we're praying for in Jesus' name. Amen.